0: Welcome to the new Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Two Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Barria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now, here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Barria.
1: we want to thank you so much for joining us today on Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. Dr. Barria is at the WellMed family. She's been there for about five and a half years at the Ninth Avenue North Clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. Her interest in medicine began at a young age, going on house calls with her grandfather, who was her uncle, who was a general practitioner, and that triggered her interest in getting into medicine. As she got older, she ended up going to Ross University School of Medicine in Portsmouth, Dominica. She earned her medical degree there, completed her residency and an OBGYN fellowship at St. Mary Hospital in Hoboken, New Jersey. Dr. Barria is board certified in family medicine. And uh, Audrey, it's great to see you again.
2: Hi, Ron. Great to be back.
1: Last week, we talked about heat stroke and what it can do to folks. And we talked about a kind of comorbidity issues that are affected by heat stroke. Uh, and today we're going to take up a related topic because we're going to look at all of the metabolic disorders that folks can struggle with, like hypertension, diabetes, cholesterol, and more. And we've got a special guest coming on who uh, you are familiar with, and we're delighted to welcome him back. He spent a lot of time with us when the program was called WellMed Radio, and we're now happy to bring him on two Docs in a Pod, Dr. Manuel Jane. Dr. Jane is at the WellMed at Haines City Clinic in Davenport, earned his medical degree from the University of Santo Tomas in Manila, Philippines, completed his residency in family practice at the University of South Florida in Tampa. Dr. Jane is board certified in family practice and geriatric medicine. And Dr. Jane, it is great to have you on again.
3: Well, I'm glad that I'm here again. It looks like the the old times are here. (laughs) Ah, Talk to
1: us a, a little bit. Uh, about the various disorders that come under the uh, major heading of metabolic disorders, hypertension, diabetes, cholesterol. As we age, are we more susceptible to those?
3: Yes, definitely. And these are the three metabolic disorders that would lead into a more catastrophic situations that uh, may afflict not only the old, but also the young. And to give you an example of it would be the stroke, heart attack, congestive failure, kidney damage, aneurysm. So these three metabolic disorders, if we can control this, we can minimize the risk of all these killers that is affecting all our patients, although they're quite common among the elderly. So I hope that they pay more attention in trying to take care of these three major uh, non-holy trinity that is going to lead them into these catastrophic situations. And it's yeah. not really specific to each one of them, but I will try to emphasize the fact that we try to treat hypertension mainly, not considering the others, for stroke. We try to treat cholesterol, mainly for heart attack. And we treat mainly the diabetes, mainly for uh, protecting the damage to their kidney. And if my patients have that in mind, they're not just taking the medication to control blood pressure, but for them not to have a stroke or their diabetes, not to go into dialysis, Although majority of patients on dialysis are diabetics and the cholesterol for them not to have attack. If they look at it that way, they seem to be able to have more insight and you know motivation to have their three metabolic disorders corrected.
1: Well, let's take them up one at a time. And let's start with high blood pressure, hypertension. Uh, for, for those who don't really think about it, you, you don't on a day to day basis, unless you take your blood pressure, you have no idea what it is. Tell us what would be normal, and I know those numbers kind of change over time, and what we can do to
3: be sure that we're not at risk. That's correct. The normal blood pressure, 120 over 80. So anything higher than that is abnormal. And it can go up when you're running. It may go up to 180 over 100 with a pulse of 110. And that's normal because once you rest, it goes down. So majority of patients have high blood pressure, but not hypertension. We call it hypertension when they are so they are persistently high, one forty over ninety, for two weeks, and they have to check it, like every other day for two weeks, and look at the average or if they have any symptoms, because it you would not know if you have hypertension unless somebody checks your blood pressure. That's why right, wherever you go, you go to the dentist, to the eye, or anywhere, even going to Walmart, they have a blood pressure device there to check your blood pressure. So it is something that really you would not know. But it is ideally being checked as soon as you see a doctor or any healthcare providers, they will check your blood pressure because it's a silent killer. So blood pressure 120 over 80, higher than 140 over 90, that's not good.
1: And if you have high blood pressure, uh, tell us about the risk it poses to you and damage to the kidney and other parts of your body. What does it do to you?
3: Well... You will have a a lot of catastrophic uh, situations, um, mainly a stroke. I had a patient that was uh, bragging the fact that he was already uh, 78 years old and doesn't have any problems at all and ended up in the air one day with a hemorrhagic stroke and blood pressure was very high. So it can hit you anytime. So mainly the stroke, it can also damage your kidney because uh, it causes a lot of pressure and strain on the kidneys, on the heart, blood vessels, and blood pressure is really a a, a malignant situation once you have it, but it can be controlled. The good thing about it is it can be controlled and can reduce your risk by 80%. If you can control your blood pressure below 140 over 90 for two years, and they can achieve the goal of reducing by 80%, imagine that.
1: Now stay with us a minute. For those who just joined us, you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Baria. Delighted to have her on board. And we're talking uh, from deep in the state of Florida, Davenport, Florida, uh, Wilmot at Haines City. Dr. Emmanuel Jane is joining us, and we're talking about various metabolic disorders. Now, what your patient did when he said or she, that she's 78 and never had a health problem, uh, there's a Yiddish term for that. It's called an achora. She jinxed herself. When you say something like that, the next thing you know, and that patient got it, hemorrhagic stroke or something. So I try not to say something like
3: that, Doctor Jane. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they just present with a very benign dizziness, headache, uh, double vision, and of course the first thing we do is check their blood pressure. And so it's very important to know what your normal, uh, you know, blood pressure readings in whenever you go to any providers. Well, there are when plenty of medicine. devices
1: you can buy and have at home, and they're not expensive anymore to check your blood pressure. Do you recommend
3: that? Uh, yes, but ideally, it should be the one in the arm, not the one in the wrist, not the one in the fingers. Uh, ideally, the, the arm, and you have to have the right cuff and the right uh, position to take your blood pressure. You have to be sitting down with your both legs uh, not crossed and your arm relaxed and check your blood pressure that way. And if you see, if you're worried about it, check it three times and then look at the average. And that is the most ideal way to do it. In the morning when you're relaxed and in the afternoon and do that every other day or three times a week for two weeks.
1: I'd love to listen to you say that. And Dr. Bari, go ahead because uh, we see each other on Zoom. And as he was talking about relaxing, I saw Dr. Bari drop her arms and relax, right? (laughs)
2: I was gonna say that one of the things with um, checking blood pressures, I know that some of my patients, when I tell them to check their blood pressures, they do do it neurotically. They're like, oh, she told me it had to be less than 140 over 90. This one says 142 over 92. Let me check it again right away. Well, they've gotten themselves so anxious that the blood pressure just keeps going up the more often that they check it. So I always tell them, I said, all right, you check it once, but you have to be calm. You can't, and if it's high, just step away from it for a little bit and then come back to it. Because patients, you know, it's human nature, right? We're obsessed with, oh my God, this is the number that it's supposed to be. It's not. And then they start internally freaking out.
1: Step away from that device.
2: Yes. Uh, well, it's and only natural size, to be worried
1: about it, right?
2: Absolutely. But the, as Dr. Jane was saying, the cuff size matters, because if you happen to be on the overweight or obese side, your arm circumference is gonna be larger than the average or normal cuff size. So you do wanna make sure that you're getting the larger cuff, because otherwise you're gonna get an incorrect reading on your blood pressure.
1: And Dr. Jane, for folks who take their pressure, uh, do you recommend a diary to keep track of it or, or, or simply keep it in your
3: head? they have to make a log of it, but not only the blood pressure, not only the upper and the lower number, but they have to check the pulse. Because if the blood pressure is high, and the pulse is high, the patient may be stressed out, maybe worried about something, or they might have just been running and checked their blood pressure, so the pulse will be high. If the blood pressure is high and the pulse is high, you worry about... uh, cardiac complications because the pulse rate, it means the heart is stressed out. Now, if the blood pressure is very high and the pulse is going down, I'm worried about uh, stroke. I'm worried about cerebrovascular problem because there is an intracranial or increased pressure in the brain causing the pulse to go down. If I see somebody unconscious on the road, first thing I do feel the pulse. If the pulse is slow, I know there is increased intracranial pressure this patient has a head injury. If the pulse is fast, I know the patient is in shock. So when they check their blood pressure, the pulse is very important. Although oftentimes the patients would ignore the pulse and the pulse will also guide us as doctors as to what to give. If the pulse is fast, I will not give medicine that will make it fast. If the pulse is slow, I will not give medicine to control the blood pressure that will make the pulse slower. So you, there's a lot of importance to the pulse, and if there's something that they would like to take away from this session, is the pulse, the blood pressure. They already know most of that, but the pulse is very important. Sometimes I get a call from a patient, or first thing, the next thing I ask is, "What is your pulse?" Because that will give me an idea of whether they're getting into, into you know, catastrophic problem or not.
1: Have you come across people lying on the ground?
3: Well, if I do, I, that's the first thing I do. I'm I mean, I have curious. been called to to check patients in the church and all that. And first thing I do is feel the pulse whether we have to do CPR or not and say how they're doing.
1: So you're one of those when the announcement goes out, is there a doctor in the house? You step forward. Oh, yes. Because well, I used to
3: work, I worked in the air for 32 years. So I'm, I am more or less confident to take care of any problems that they will show up. One time I went there and then there was an OB-GYN came and said, oh, I'm thankful, Dr. Jane, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> this an OB-GYN and the patient <laughs> fainted. He said, I'm glad you're here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So hang on. We're going to come right back to you. We're talking uh, with one of our favorite guests here on Two Docs in a Pod, Dr. Manuel Jane. You find him at the WellMed Clinic at Haines City in Davenport, Florida, along with our co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria. Delighted to have Audrey with us as well. And you're listening to Two Docs in a Pod. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us right here on Two Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co host, Dr. Audrey Barria, and we're talking on our Two Docs in a Pod hotline from Davenport, Florida, with Dr. Emmanuel Jane. Dr. Jane is with WellMet at Haynes City in the clinic there. And we've been talking about a variety of issues that relate to metabolic disorders. We were talking about hypertension. And when I come back to something that Dr. Jane mentioned uh, off the air, and and I love it, uh, Audrey had said, you know, you've still got your sense of humor. They they know each other. And Dr. Jane said, yes. And then you said, patients remember stuff when it's buried
3: in a joke. That's really true. Tell me about that. Well, I I often ask my patients if they can think, they can choose, they can organize, they can plan, and if they laugh at the humor. So when I know if they laugh at the humor, they are paying attention or they're able to think. Otherwise, if you just tell them about scientific facts, they will forget it. Or if they, they'll they say, yeah, I know that. Yeah, Of course, they know it. Majority of the patient know almost 90% of their situation. They just And they want to explain to them in detail about the scientific details of it. They, they don't even, it took me 30 or 40 years to understand it. I don't expect them to understand or even have an insight in five or 10 minutes visit. But if you give them into a joke, uh, they they remember it. And they laughed at it. Then you know they're, they're listening to you rather than thinking of something else.
1: I like that. And of course, what we don't know, we can get from Google, right? Exactly. have yeah, Dr. Uh, D- Dr. Google. Dr. <laughs> Google. Now, let's switch gears from hypertension to diabetes, which is epidemic in Florida, in Texas, and across this country. Uh, again,
3: two types of diabetes, type 1, type 2. The insulin resistant. They have, in fact, a lot of insulin in their blood, but is not able to lower the blood sugar. It's a metabolic disorder. And that leads to a lot of complications, uh, neuropathy, damage to their nerves, to the vascular system, to the heart, to the brain. But sugar is poison. No living organism can live on sugar. And no matter if you are not diabetic, no matter how much you eat, the next day it will that less than 100. But if you are diabetic, even if you don't eat from 12 midnight to 7 a.m., the blood sugar will be uh, in the 200 or 300 level. So sugar is 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 very important to look at, and especially among diabetics, uh, and and that needs to be uh, you know paid attention to.
1: And what I hear you saying uh, when you talk about sugar, uh,
3: soft drinks, of course, are loaded with sugar. Oh yes, uh, Carbohydrates carbohydrate turns into sugar. It doesn't float in your blood as uh, brown bread, white bread. Uh, pasta or donut no whatever you eat any of those things they turn into sugar same thing with your with protein it doesn't matter whether it is chicken shrimp or nuts or grass or it doesn't matter they turn into amino acid when you eat fat that's the problem they are main fat but i'm going to talk to that about the cholesterol but in diabetes they have to cut down on their carbohydrate they have to exercise and when you exercise alone by itself lowers the blood sugar You know, so when they exercise, they help the body, you know, not produce so much insulin that eventually the body develops antibodies to the insulin and they become insulin resistant and their insulin does not lower the blood sugar.
1: And for somebody who may be worried about diabetes, how would you know if you have it, if you've never been diagnosed?
3: Well, first of all, you will have the symptoms of high blood sugar. Uh, Sugar attracts water. So when there's too much sugar in the blood at level 125 uh, fasting, they spill in the urine and they attract water. And so the patient will be going to the bathroom a lot. And since they cannot use sugar, they will use their uh, protein. And the protein is, uh, you know, our weight is mainly the fat, uh, the uh, muscle. So they they think they're doing well because they're losing weight. But then at the same time, they're also getting dizzy and going to the bathroom a lot. And those are some of the uh, symptoms that they have to pay attention to. Uh, And the the sugar is high and it destroys things. It destroys protein. That's why there is a protein in the blood that's coated with sugar we call A1C. And that is one of the tests that we do to see if the patient is diabetic or not. Aside from the amount of sugar they have in the blood, we call it a fasting blood sugar or a glucose test. And there are so many uh, you know, indications or uh, protocols that we use to diagnose diabetes. But for the patient, they have to be worried about going to the bathroom a lot. They cannot think. They're dizzy. Uh, their blurred vision is, is number one. And some of them may even present with neuropathy, and they didn't know they're diabetics.
1: And neuropathy is?
3: Those are tingling, burning, numbness of the hands and feet. Which can be common if you're diabetic. Oh yes, because diabetes destroyed the, the protein, and then you have the nerve that is supplied by sugar and blood, and I mean oxygen. And if there's too much sugar, it's toxic to those uh, uh, nerve endings, and they actually kill the nerves. Wow!
1: So you see, in Florida, and I know both of you are practicing in Florida, a lot of patients with diabetes. Yes.
3: Oh yes. Uh, A lot of them, a lot of them because of the, if you look at the natural or the the statistics shows that 60% of our population are overweight and 20% are obese and 20% are normal. And for the fat to get into the fat cells, they utilize insulin. So most of these patients would not have enough insulin to lower the sugar. The insulin is busy putting the fat into the fat cells. And that happens even while they are eating. They have to understand that these things, metabolic disorder, happen while they are eating. That doesn't happen a week later. So what does that mean? It means they have to go on a diet and exercise regularly and lose weight and uh, and cut down on their carbohydrates.
1: And we hear a lot about a Mediterranean diet as, as a way Uh, perhaps to eat healthier. In fact, uh, I've got a few friends who, like you two, are providers who said to me, if we all ate like we had diabetes and ate right, everyone would be healthier.
3: That's really true. That's really true. Most of these diets are, are effective and they're working. Keto diet, Atkins diet, Mediterranean diet, they're all good. The problem is they don't stick to it.
2: I mean, you know, you're Medi-
3: yeah, you in a Mediterranean diet and somebody has a nice uh, uh, rack of lamb or, or, you know, three scoops of ice cream. Are you going to stick to your diet? Of course not.
1: Yeah, for me, it'd be a rack of spare ribs. So, Audrey, <laughs> you, know, you were going to jump in.
2: I was going to say that one of the things that I tell my patients, especially the newly diagnosed diabetics, is that don't think of it as a diet. Because it's truly a lifestyle change, because this isn't something that you're going to do to lose the 10, 20 pounds and then go back to eating the way that you were. So you think about it, phrase it in your mind as this is a lifestyle change that I'm making.
1: And that describes the yo-yo effect. If you Mm -hmm. treat it as if I'm going to do it till I lose X number of pounds and then I can go back to the way I used to eat, you end up putting even more weight back on.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Before we run out of time, Dr. Jane, and I apologize for interrupting, Audrey, tell us about cholesterol.
3: Oh, cholesterol. We treat cholesterol to minimize the patient's risk of cardiovascular problems. What that means is heart attack and stroke. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, when you eat uh, carbohydrate, it turns into sugar. When you eat uh, protein, it turns into amino acid. But when you eat uh, fat, it is not converted into anything else except fat. They're only broken down into small globules, tiny globules in your blood. And the liver produces a protein that will carry them because blood and water doesn't mix. And so this protein that is produced by the liver carries that fat, puts it in the blood vessels and causes hardening of the artery. And that's what we call LDL or bad cholesterol. Some of my patients will say, well, doc, I have eaten so much fat in my lifetime. How come it hasn't clogged up my arteries? Because the liver also produces a protein that goes into the blood vessels, dissolve it and take it out. That's what we call good cholesterol. So cholesterol... That's the HDL. The HDL, the heavy density lipoprotein. And cholesterol, uh, when your bad cholesterol is higher than 100, you're in trouble. If your good cholesterol is less than, uh, you know, 40 or even lower in 25, that's an independent risk factor for cardiovascular problems. And... And cholesterol can also be found in patients with uh, diabetes uh, because they have, you know, uh, the the fat. I mean, the carbohydrate that they eat turns into fat when a person eats a lot of sweet.
1: And there are a lot of folks then who are on cholesterol medication, simvastatin, and other medications who figure, well, I can eat whatever I want; the medication
3: will take care of it. Well, well, if they eat what they want, all that fat is in the blood and the liver is just trying to help them. So, and and the liver can only do so much, although it can work 300 times the normal, but sometimes patients put in fat 400 times what they're supposed to have. And so what happened is you have that deficit and all that fat is in the blood vessels. And again, I'd like to emphasize the fact that that happens while they are eating. Not later. You cannot say I'm gonna f- eat uh, fast now and you know, or I eat a lot now and fast tomorrow. No, it doesn't work that way. Huh. But one of my patients, that's that's cruel, doc, told me, am I'm eating, I don't want to think the fact that all of this goes into my blood right now. I'm, you know, it stays in my stomach for probably two, three days." <laughs> I said, <Huh>. "No, <laughs> it goes directly into your bloodstream, goes into your blood vessels, and causes hardening of the arteries while you are eating, not wow. uh, later." So,
1: so what does the medication do?
3: Cholesterol. Well, when you eat fat, the liver produces that bad cholesterol, the uh, lipoprotein that carries the fat. What the statins do is they block the enzyme. They act on the liver. They block the enzyme that produces that bad cholesterol.
1: So and then and you so, have,
3: have less deposition of that cholesterol inside the blood vessel.
1: And that will bring down your LDL?
3: Correct. If you have less LDL, less going into the blood vessel. But remember, wow. The more fat you have, the more LDL is
1: produced. I got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. And I thank you so much for joining us. i tell you what, it's almost like going to med school listening to you. And I really appreciate that. Dr. Manuel Jane. you find him at the WellMed Clinic in Haines City in Davenport, Florida. For our wonderful co-host, Dr. Audrey Barria, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for listening to us right here on Two Docs in a Pod.
0: Executive producers for Two Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker. And associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Two Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of Two Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron.